Adam, what can I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Folks, welcome to Frack Stars, your bi-weekly kind of sort of basically when we remember to put an episode out podcast about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, this week we are doing season two, episode 14, Black Market, which is written by Mark Bellydon, directed by James Head, and has special guest star Richard Hatch. As always, here to help me talk about all things Battlestar Galactica related are from the good old US of A, we have Drogon. Greetings. And from somewhere down south in England, we have Steve. Hello. This episode aired in the US in the 27th of the 1st, 2006, in the UK on the 4th of the 4th, 2006. See? Getting what closer and closer. Yeah. Getting closer and closer on these dates as well. Um, as of this episode, the surviving population is 49,597, which is down one. Um, and it's basically, as the name suggests, about the black market in the fleet, with um, Leah Dummer being the main one who's, to what extent, perfectly suffering from PTS. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we're we're seeing his his depression, his the you know the after effects of 
uh, getting blasted out into space, for one thing, and being severely disappointed by the potential actions of his father and best friend. Yeah. They didn't actually carry those out, but he was very disappointed that they thought they were gonna. Yeah, no Starbuck in this one, though. No, a lot of people, actually. <laughs> very few of the series regulars actually appear in this episode. Did anybody else watching it, um, when he gets spat out, think of Khan just going, it's very cold in space? <laughs> <laughs> no, just me. See, okay. we're five minutes in. Apparently just you. Red, so. <laughs> I think it, it was more on my mind, because with Star Trek timelines, that's the quote that my Khan character keeps saying every time I click on him. So <laughs> maybe that was the reason why, but... <laughs> Uh, actually, okay. as, as, actually, as sandbots go in Star Trek timelines, that's less annoying than some of them. Oh yeah, the Scotty yeah. one is the worst one because it keeps going on even after you've started the mission. <laughs> it's just like oh, no, Janeway keeps saying "Let's get started," which you know after you've heard it twenty times, you kind of be shut the off. Then you've got Wesley. I always get an A. Oh god, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's our glitch. I know what I'd like to give you. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you can tell we're going to go off on a lot of tangents on this episode because let's be honest, this is not the best episode of Battlestar Galactica. In fact, it may be the worst. It's terrible. It really is terrible. I can understand what they're trying to do. They were trying to put um, Leodama in a different light. They're trying to show him uh, more gritty, trying to deal with PTS, which, you know, needs to be dealt with, let's be honest. Um, and they tried to put a more. Um, harder shell onto the character but at the end of the day he's still a schoolboy he's still a not schoolboy he's still a, sco- a scout he's a boy scout he's he... I, I think I don't know if they really ever knew exactly what they wanted to do with Leodama because he is such a chameleon over the entire show it's like okay so we want to do another Leodama episode okay let's make him a you know a hard bitten detective this week. Next week. Okay, let's make him a, um, a clown. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, he's he was really like, we needed this guy, we need this character, but we don't know what this character is going to be or should be or will be. It was, it was just the whole thing with this now relationship with this um, woman, Siobhan. Um, which is just like, okay, who's she, where's she come from, there's been nothing about it at all, and it's just like, okay, and it's not like, given how they talk and act, that it's something new either, and it's just, it didn't really fit at all. No, it, it just, it came out of the blue, especially as soon as we know that he's been flirting with D, he's been flirting with Starbuck, you know, it came out of the blue, and, you know, Basically, the very first thing we find out is, is she's a prostitute as well. You know, yeah. so it's it's completely off kilter, uh, and for some reason, she's on uh, Cloud Nine. Yeah, we, you know, we see him on Cloud Nine a lot up until now. Not. <laughs> but then there's the whole thing with the daughter. Oh, where's my little handshake sticking out his finger? And she goes all shy, and it's just like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I've got to be honest, you know, talking about the daughter, I'd have ran from that doll. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no kidding. But it's just, the daughter didn't need to be in it at all. The only time it took 
anything from the storyline is when it came to realising that those children that were locked up were being used as slaves and prostitution themselves. But they could have easily done that with him on the way to see... Um, I was going to say Fisk. Um, it's not Fisk. Um, what's the other guy's name? Um, what? The, uh, the, the guy who's running oh, the uh, market. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, God. I wrote his name down and I'm trying to find with it in my notes. Well, Bill Duke is the actor's name. And I'm blanking on the character name. Felon. Yeah. With yeah, a PH, I think. Yeah. Felon. Um But yeah, that's the only. Who was in. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger film, by the way. Predator. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, is that one of my complaints about this episode is that they they establish one complaint this character. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Just I, said one, I said one of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they they establish this character, and then you know, spoiler alert for the end of the episode, they shoot him. They kill him off. This is an interesting actor, and this could have been an interesting character if they had given him some more episodes to grow, but they just kill him off. I'm actually glad they did kill him off. I think that's the only one good thing they really did about this episode. Is it actually said, right, sort of, no more when it comes to, especially when it comes to sort of child slavery and prostitution. It's just like, no, this doesn't go on. And it it puts, a, sort of, as they say, a line on in the sand sort of thing. Um, sure. And it's a bit like when he goes to the president afterwards, he goes, look, I know names, I know faces, I know where to go. Um, which of course Rosalind's just not pleased with but he makes a good point he has made it that he is involved in this thing in some way or another and yeah this is the reality you a black market will exist but Galactica's now involved they know what's going on there'll be no more withholding of medicines and um, no more prostitution and stuff like that yeah well before we get into that we need to jump back to Fisk. Yes, Fisk. Because the reason that uh, he got involved because is because of what happened to Fisk. Yes. I, I, I just want to point out the um, amusing nature of that somebody named Fisk is trying to be a criminal kingpin. I know. You know <laughs> Daredevil, Daredevil needs to come in somewhere. So. <laughs> no available on Netflix. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, yeah. But the reason that he gets involved in it is because basically someone takes a piano wire and corrupts him. Fisk, that is. Because, of course, we find out that Fisk, um, as I said, was trying to be a, a criminal kingpin, doing all kinds of business with the black market, and basically using Pegasus. He got greedy, basically. Yeah. And he, he was taking more than his free share, and he was trying to control more than what the other people involved liked for him to be involved with and so yeah well the hint was there when he said to uh, Baltar about cigars that that was the hint uh, Baltar is almost the only other series regular in this episode that actually has anything interesting to do and it's mostly just being coy yeah, yeah. And, and we did have the comedy moment with six <laughs> yeah another thing where he's looking around at her and everything else and it's just like he must look so strange just sort of like um, I'm um <laughs> It was funny, he's just like, what are you doing here? And Adama, obviously without batting an eyelid, because he can't, obviously, six is nothing to him. And Baltar says, what are you doing here? And Adama says, I was going to ask you the same thing. (laughs) I love that little exchange. I I think at some, 
level, they're sort of getting used to Baltar's eccentricities, which we know are caused by the six that keeps appearing in his head, but nobody else knows that. I think they're just sort of getting used to it. Yeah, it's like like I said a couple of episodes ago, it's basically, I reckon they're putting it down to Mad Professor Syndrome, basically. So, um, now the reason that we find out that the reason that the, the prostitute Sharon Chevron's involved is because they use that as a hook when they find out that Lee's investigating them. So that's that angle. The other angle of that is the fact that she reminds him of a woman he left behind on Caprica. Yeah, and I would go for This is another plot point that is has no setup in any previous episode and is never mentioned again. Yeah. So it makes me wonder what got cut in other places, possibly. It's just like they like they had an idea and it never happened. But what got me was she was sort of introduced and then basically Fisk makes it sound like the entire time he was working for him and he knew all about him and um, everything else. And that bit is just like, well, that doesn't really, again, fit with anything else we've ever seen it's just like it's like they're desperate for a storyline which basically didn't involve much in the way of cg so it was just one of these where they had to do something and it's just like okay we've yeah, got these I, sets so <laughs> what can we do <laughs> and i can imagine that i mean maybe the one set they probably built for the episode was the bar at the very end in the the black market ship and i can't imagine that was a terribly expensive set yeah, but I think that's probably just the reuse of um, yeah, I'm sure they the reused bar something. from Cloud9 previously. They they just moved it into a darker set. You really don't see much of it. It's just, you know, sort of blurry things behind the character of Lee yeah. as he walks through it. Yeah, well, you know, reusing old sets is, is a common trope. I mean, uh, as a lot of people know, the Enterprise D... 10 forward was used in um, Star Trek first, not first contact Star Trek 6, the president's office. The uh, the battle bridge set of the Enterprise D was something that was reused constantly for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so uh, it happens, it's a great way to save money. Yeah, yeah, just, just change the lighting, drape a curtain here and there and away we go. So, question for you guys. Um, speaking of plot points that are brought up and never mentioned again, this ship, the Prometheus, do you ever remember it being mentioned again? This is the black market ship. Not the black market ship, no. Yeah, I, I don't think it's ever mentioned again. In fact, I don't think the black market's ever mentioned again. No, the black I, I think it, that might come up here and there, but... I mean, I mean the other, the other two things that come out of this is, is we know that Ty knew that Fisk was dealing all along because uh, he's the one that keeps uh, Adama the tip um, and we also know that um, oh what's his name Terry Hatch's character Tom Sarek knew this was all going on as well so that's two very Which, powerful men on two very <laughs> well yeah there's, there's no surprise that Sarek knew but the fact that Ty knew and turned the blind eye because it was his way of getting his liquor um, but then even Ty said to um, Lee Adama sort of he's not the only one as in the casing that he's done it not to mention that he was using one of the prostitutes um as well 
but I just looked up about the Prometheus. It had actually been in there before. Um, close up of the hole. Um, basically, there's a thing about it that um, it uses the flag of Scorpia. I'm just looking up the information about it. Um, during the refueling operations over a gas giant, um, that is the ship that has um, valve failure. Um, and that's in Maelstrom. And um, yeah, also the captain is used as part of one of the judges of Gol Goltar, Goltar um, in Crossroads Part 1. So it's referenced a couple of times and that's within... But certainly never featured. But it's never yeah. been. It's never featured never, any further. We never set foot on it again, no. as far as the show goes. That's just one of many things wrong with this episode. Which yeah. you know, to their credit, the uh, the producers realized eventually um, that it it did not live up to what they wanted it to be. Um, Rondi Moore specifically uh, has been very candid about you know that it it just didn't work like they thought it was going to work. Yeah. I did like Cuttle's autopsy though with his fag hanging out his mouth again. Yeah, as always. As always. That was like he's leaning over a buddy doing an autopsy <laughs> with a cigarette on the go. Oh, God. It's, it's, I love that guy. I think he's such a brilliant character. I could just imagine him in, in the American Midwest and a medicine, um, one of them ones selling them snake oil medicine and stuff like that. He'd be that down to the ground. I actually saw him in, a, in another show recently. Um, I was watching for the first time the original run of the X-Files. And he's the guy who recruited the cigarette smoking man into his life of conspiracy. Oh, God, yeah, he did. Wow. Yeah. We, we, see, X-Files, that's it. Star Trek X-Files. We're doing well. <laughs> uh, so, does, obviously, we've said Cottle does an autopsy. He finds a cupid in his mouth. Adama realizes that they're sending them a message. Uh, he puts um, Apollo onto the case, which uh, brings him into direct conflict with the black marketeers, so to speak, who then threaten his, for want of a better way of putting it, girlfriend and her daughter, uh, which then leads basically into the second half of the episode. Yeah. You know, if they'd have done the first half as quick as I just done it, this probably wouldn't have been as bad. Well, they just could have done so much with something like this, but they just didn't, and it's a shame. But as you said, it's probably one of the worst episodes um, there is of this uh, version of that. There, there's a couple other contenders for the crown, but this is definitely one of them. Yeah, although I would like to just go off on a tangent here. Uh, when he's in the gym and D gives him a chance to have a relationship and he blows her off. She didn't hang around, did she? <laughs> nope. You know, by the end of the episode, she's doing sit-ups with Bill. Yeah, however, that's a relationship that they, they've actually spent some time building up. Yeah, that, that relationship actually made sense. <laughs> Whereas the Lee and Duala relationship was kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. The thing is, is... Their relationship grew from, well, basically that sparring, but it's always sort of very flirtatious, and then all of a sudden it was a full-grown sort of relationship. But whether or not that was just D and the breakup with Bill, I don't know. It, uh, we'll get to that later on in the series. Yeah. Um, anyway, Lee gets attacked by Fisk um, and his henchmen, which is when Tom Sadik comes into it. 
Um, and yeah, because they see... leave a dead body for him, basically saying, right, you're blaming this bloke for um, the death of Fisk, and just leave us alone, and we will leave you alone, sort of thing. Yeah, as Sadik says, they gave you an out. Yeah. Except Lee doesn't do that. He doesn't leave things alone. But that's not the thing he does, is it? That, that, that <laughs> is a his one consistent character trait. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a good thing not to leave things alone, and sometimes it's a bad thing, but... <laughs> You know, in this case, not leaving it alone would basically have condemned um, the daughter Pia to, you know, slavery or, or worse. But he didn't know that at the time. He just knew that he, they, he knew they were gone. Yeah. But he didn't know where they were gone or um, what was happening to them. It was only when he gets to the um, the Pegasus, um, not Pegasus, um, Prometheus. Prometheus. <laughs> Um, that he realises exactly what's happening. Because he only realises what's happening to um, Devon when she comes out, um, sort of being dragged out by one of his henchmen. Yeah, but that, I mean, the statement that's, that Sadik gives leads into what Drogon said about the actual ship itself, because Sadik says it's off the grid. You know, this is a ship that, you know, doesn't feature much in this series. You know, then he says it's off the grid. So what does that mean off the grid in a fleet of ship? Does that mean it hangs around at the back? Yeah, it's you know? also that when it came to Baltar's um, court case and the captain who is in a formal uniform, you've got to wonder what exactly that ship is being used for and what's been going on on that ship. But again, as we said, it doesn't really come up at all. But then the Astral Queen was heavily used in one episode, but is still although it's referenced a lot, it's very rarely even seen again. I suppose it's all to do with sets. Um, it's easier, they're just continuously using Colonial One and Galactica and Pegasus. They don't They don't want to be recreating different sets and keeping them if they don't no. have to. No, I mean, space shots, obviously. Space shots are stock shots. Yeah. yeah you, can re- you can reuse stock shots from space because a ship classing through the darkness of space is a ship passing through the darkness of space so exactly. so um anyway this leads to the to the the confrontation uh where basically apollo threatens um what's his name again feeling see this is how memorable this guy is I'll keep... <laughs> <laughs> yeah see see that's why that's why my earlier complaint is i think he should have been much more memorable and i think I remember at the time he was cast in uh, the third X-Men film and was also really underused there, too. <laughs> There's is not the only thing wrong with that film. No. Actually, the only thing, think about it, the only thing that I've seen him um, stand out in is, is Predator. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't so. he also um, in Commando as well? Yeah, he was the one who says, um, these green berets can kick your ass. And Schwarzenegger says, I eat cream bread for breakfast. So I was just wondering if he has eggs with them, you know, but still. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, he, he could have had a muffin or a hot cross bun, but no, <laughs> he, he has to have a green beret. And actually that, that scene is a lot better than this entire episode. Um, <laughs> so Phelan um, basically threatens to kill Apollo. Apollo points a gun at his head. Phelan says, you're not going to shoot me. Apollo tries to bluff him by saying, Galactica knows where he is. Um, mayhem ensues, and then Apollo basically commits murder. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, you won't shoot me. And it's just like, actually, yeah, bang. 
and then he basically just threatens everybody else saying right black market will stay it's needed but no more children um no more withholding medicines that are required no more killings i think yep. he says yeah but that was rela- sort of murders um because my murder fiscally. is the last one yeah <laughs> do as i say not as i do uh, <laughs> well he's an officer yeah but uh yeah it, that's then that really for the black market mm-hmm. itself not the episode because <laughs> we've still got a bit with boltar um to come after this but yeah well you, you've also got the bit at the bar where she tells him that she can't see him anymore because she can't be what he wants her to be that's right because he wants her to be essentially that girl he left behind and she can't be that for him yeah and again it's something that's just never referenced or seen again not the girl from his memories not the prostitute not Pyre, not really much on the way of the ship <laughs> so, and yeah after that is when we go back to um, Gaius um, <laughs> being summoned by Laura Rosalind um, basically she's trying to get him to step down which is probably the best scene in the whole thing yeah the one thing that did get me is the way this is sort of made to look is that possibly weeks have gone past since the Blackbird incident. But then you see Roslyn when Boltar walks in, reducing the number by on the, the population on the board, which it's been reduced by one since the last episode. Though I always thought that she was reducing it by one because of the suicide bomber. But then if that was the case, weeks haven't gone past... And it's just like, so where has all this relationship and everything else come, which just makes most of what we've seen in this episode still completely pointless and wrong. So <laughs> it's just like, what's going on? Because there's no... Yeah, this is, sometimes it's hard to get a sense of the timeline. Yeah, especially this episode, because there's just nothing at all that indicates how much time has passed, apart from that number being reduced. But then that would indicate that that had only just happened, which made everything that's just gone on really, really wrong. And it's just like, huh? It, it's either a few weeks past the previous episode of Epiphanies, or it's not. Yeah, but yeah, it, as I said, it looks like this has only just sort of happened like a day or two ago. But if it was a day or two ago, still, why would she be reducing the number only just now? given how important that board is to her with that count. so The thing is with her asking Baltar to step down, though, is, is another thing that I didn't get, because that would trigger another election, which would give Zarek another chance. Well, it depends on how it works for vice president. Yeah, it's, true, yeah. Because, I mean... He has been voted in as president, yeah. so she could then pick her vice president. The thing is, she only chose her vice president as him was to basically stop others from getting the presidency. Now, they, they had an election the first time around when they didn't have a vice president. I, it, it's possible that they wouldn't have to have one this time. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, not a general election, but I think just an election of the, the quorum of 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. Am I yeah. remembering that correctly from Bastille yeah. Day back in season one? Yes. Which is better than this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she she's also in a pretty good position of power at the moment um, because, you know, all that stuff came out about her uh, religious prophecy 
thing. So, I mean, she's very firmly in charge at the moment. And her and Adama have patched things up since their, you know, the attempted coup back in season, back right at the end of season one. And I think she feels like she could win an election for, you know, her handpicked candidate could win for vice president, probably. If it wasn't, even if it wasn't Baltar, who was the popular choice way back in season one. Yeah. I've just done some digging, um, referencing what you were saying earlier, driving about saving money with using reusing scenes and all that. The scenes where Leah Dummer and his ex on Caprica were filmed in exactly the same location as Rosalind's doctor. <laughs> so Just somewhere around Vancouver, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they obviously hired the office for a week and filmed loads of scenes from different it, angles. It, it's funny because I do know someone who lives in Vancouver and he says he has a lot of fun noticing familiar places around town because so many TV shows are filmed in Vancouver. You know, um, Fringe was filmed in Vancouver. Uh, Arrow and The Flash are all filmed in Vancouver. It's, Even it's a, was filmed in Vancouver. Yeah. It yeah. Um, Stargate. It moved there in the original run and I, I don't know about the, the latest revival series where that was shot. It's, it's, it's like... Um... A lot of films never filmed in Chicago instead of New York. Yeah, so, but no, you know. the new um, X Files was van- um, a lot of it was filmed in Vancouver. I saw um, a behind-the-scenes thing, and there's one bit where it looks like they're in DC, and literally it's just sort of downtown Vancouver. Yeah. The other thing I found out in me digging, this is this is funny. The cigarettes they were selling in the back market were are called Saracoma, which is actually a form of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, excellent. So apparently it's a form of lung cancer, so there you go. You, you know, it's funny mentioning smoking, because, I mean, Battlestar Galactica is one of one of the few series in sort of the modern era that really shows a lot of smoking. Yeah, because most things don't these days. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from, like, period pieces. Yeah. And even then sometimes. You don't see a lot of smoking on Downton Abbey. Yeah. But going back to Baltar and Roslyn, um, one of the things is, is it wasn't until she asks him about stepping down that he actually thinks, nope, I actually want to have a political career because it's one of these things. I'm not wanted. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway because he feels threatened and he doesn't want to lose the power that he has. <laughs> Don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Yeah. Right, two questions for you two then. First of all, um, where was the stuff for the black market coming from, given the fact that they have a finite amount of resources and that in space? And also, when Adama says, you should have told me about the girl, did he mean the prostitute or the girl on Caprica? Well, with regards to the items, I thought that, especially when they go, oh, we won't get more stocks of that until next week. And I'm thinking... Why are they going to stop off at the next planet and go down to the co-op? So the only possibility is they're getting them from the other ships, some of which we know do have manufacturing capability for certain things. Um, and also, Pegasus had just joined the fleet, so they probably got an infusion of stuff from there. Anything is given how the military is in command of the fleet, you would have thought that the stores would have been managed an awful lot better. Um, though, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that the black market wouldn't have gotten as big as it had done. 
Um, and if it had, it would have actually been controlled from either Galactica or Pegasus. Do you know, I've now got an image in my head of Galactica doing drive through. <laughs> so they have just for those of you that don't know, because obviously Drogon knows you, but in America they have drive through chemists. So just just putting that out there. Well, I believe we call them pharmacists over here. Oh yeah, so they yeah, pharmacists, yeah. But it's that it that's one of the first things I clocked the first time I went to America was a drive through pharmacist and I thought, Wow, you haven't even gotta get out your car to get your drugs. There you go. I, I I'm I'm often having to sort of translate British slang and British terms uh, into Americans because I have so many uh, friends and uh, acquaintances from the UK now. So I, I believe chemist equals pharmacist over here. Actually, it's funny you should say that. I went through a spite of doing um, an unending amount of podcasts, much like Steve does now, um, with Americans, and I actually started saying aluminum. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because in my head, whenever I'm... I'm thinking it i think aluminium oh i i do a lot of americanisms especially with things like color because i do coding especially with like html so you never have the u in it so the amount of times i'm writing it and it sort of spell check goes wrong thinking no it's not and it's like oh damn it <laughs> <laughs> way way back when i was in school i occasionally got marked down on things because i would spell color with a u because I read so much Tolkien, and, you know, he spelled things like a British person, because, of course, he was. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely um, had some incorrect spellings, according to Americans. So, which guild do you think he means? I, I think, think he means the original one. <laughs> <laughs> because the only... We see... Lee remembering his girlfriend but I think the only one that got known about because of probably a report that was written up would have been the prostitute so it would have been the um, the girl and um, her mum would have been sort of specified as somebody within these reports uh, as well as gossip about people, other people who were there about what had gone on so I think it was the prostitute rather than this other woman who he was just thinking about. I think that's a quite reasonable conclusion. Um, the reason I think it might be the, the girlfriend back on Caprica was that Lee and his father had this like epic period after um, his brother's death of not talking. And I think he, he might have just essentially confessed all to his father because we kind of come in on the tail end of him reporting to Commander Adama. And we don't know the f if he told the whole story in that, you know, he was essentially with this woman because she reminded him of, of someone. And he might have just said that to his father. And his father's like, I never knew about this girl, this original but, one. You should have told me back then. Given how long they didn't talk for, he could have had loads of different girlfriends. That's and possible. Then there was the thing with Cara Thrace as well. It's just... I don't think he probably would have talked to his father about those memories. I think he would have just kept it as a report of what had been happening because he was using this woman as sort of comfort. And yeah, I, that's why I think otherwise. But yeah, I think he meant do. <laughs> 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 so, 
I mentioned Thrace, and one of the things you mentioned earlier on, Colin, was we didn't see her, but she wasn't the only cast member that didn't appear because we didn't get any of the engineering crew. So we didn't get Callie and um, Tyrrell. No um, Sharon. Yep, no Sharon, no... Um, no other Sharon. No other other Sharon. Yep, no Gator, because <laughs> I don't think we saw him nope. either. Um, so, yeah, there was a huge amount of sort of of the regular cast. That, that was that was down a calf. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a bit strange that we didn't see them, because we did see some other sort of crew members um, around, um, you're going to say Pegasus, um, Prometheus. Um, but they weren't any of the regular cast or crew sort of thing and yeah you've got to wonder what the reason was for that maybe it was just cost but yeah it was, it was a bit of a weird well, it depends on the contract because um, as is well known amongst most people in Star Trek the original series the only one that was not on a contract was Chekhov Walter Koenig and he got paid on an appearance basis only so if BSG had appearance-only payments for basically what is essentially the main cast, but the support main cast, so to speak, it could have been a budget fee. I thought uh, a lot of the SAG actors, you're paid by day that you're basically there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if if, if this was, to all intents and purposes, a bottle episode, um, the less people they have in it, the less they have to pay out. And you know, like we've already said, they're reusing sets. Um, you know, a lot of the support cast would have been like you know, uh, bit part actors who get minimum fee. So you know, the alternative is that they could have actually been filming another part of another episode. Because one of the reasons this could have been Lee heavy is because if they were filming this at the same time that they were say filming Resurrection Ship, that Lee wasn't in a huge part of that when it came to all the battle. So it could have been a day or two that they were doing all those scenes where he wasn't in it. It could have been. And you think, you know, the episodes on the other sides, uh, you know, around this particular episode are are not very Lee heavy. You know, Epiphanies is mostly about Roslyn and, um, you know, Baltar's in it a bit and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah. And, you know, upcoming, upcoming we have a Starbuck episode and we have, you know, episodes focusing on the other characters yeah so it could have been yeah. a scheduling thing so while all those cast were busy filming those bits they'd got another camera crew doing all this episode because it's true because they don't always film one at a time because I mean, if it, like the primary well, cast was, are, are on a contract they yeah. didn't probably want to waste his time of literally doing nothing so that's maybe why we've got this Leodama episode which well, we don't know when this sense. was filmed because this could have been. I mean, it's a bottle episode; it can be completely out of context with anything else. Yeah. Uh, apart from obviously the reference to Voltar being vice president, and we have also already established that you know where he's on Caprica, that's where Rosalind was seen in a doctor. It's the same set, which is a royal building, obviously. So you know they could have filmed this any time. You know while other stuff was going on. So. You know, it comes to sum up when the most I, interesting I don't part think of the they necessarily film them, was filmed. I don't think they necessarily filmed them wildly out of sequence because you do need to film one episode. If my knowledge of TV is worth anything, I, I think it takes about a week to prep and a week to shoot, generally speaking. 
and they, yeah. they don't film them wildly out of context except in extreme cases like um oh the the series finale of Battlestar Galactica was or not Battlestar Galactica um Babylon 5 was filmed at the end of season 4 and actually wasn't used until season 5 because they didn't know they were going to have a season five at the time or you know it wasn't for sure so yeah they filmed yeah. it and then decided not to use it when they actually got a season five i think i read somewhere that um tng had a six day turnaround per episode so that's that goes into yeah. what you were they're, saying they're probably, six days gonna, they're probably all going to be different yeah yeah so anyway on the crew and everything that's black market folks yes sorry about, sorry about that um <laughs> <laughs> we actually were able to fill the airtime even on a substandard episode so that's great there so, yeah next time we'll be reviewing scar which is far superior oh yes yeah so look forward, looking forward to that one and i'm sure you all are too yeah and you won't need vodka for that one <laughs> so uh, as always folks uh, if you want to feedback to us you can do and we would love you if you did and Stevie's now going to tell you how. You can get hold of us at Frackstars on Twitter. Um, you can get hold of us Frackstars at gmail.com. And we have just created a Facebook page as well. So you can get us on Facebook. And coming soon will also be Google+. So, uh, yeah, we will let you know when that is done. There you go. And as always, folks, you can feedback to us uh, individually on social media. You can get me on COLMH01 on Google+, and Twitter, Drogon. Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter, at Drogon, D-R-O-G-Y-N-1701. Stay. And you can get hold of me at Midnight Shadow 7 that's night spelt n-i-t-e and the number seven and that's on basically all the social networks there you go and as always folks you can find the rest of the podcast on hollowsweetmedia.com uh, which you can also find ways to help support the network because um, obviously things like this have to be paid for and i'm sure Xander would appreciate the help so thanks for listening thanks for downloading please feedback to us we would really appreciate to hear from the outside world um, any views suggestions whatever just feedback to us. Um, so until next time, where we'll be doing Scar, um, we'll see you then. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.